Welcome to the new Tradangelization. We're your hosts, Kevin and not Jacob, Dylan and Colton. We're not in Jacob's garage smoking the two, two classiest pipes, Augustine and Aquinas. One, because Jacob lost Augustine. Um, so instead, I now have Felicitas. Um, I got a pipe recently and it looked like a girl, so. Jacob said, why not just go through the canon, see the, the list of saints in the canon, and Felicity, of course, was the first that came to mind, so uh, well, um, let's welcome Felicity to the, to the podcast. Our aim is to promote the new triangelization, the TNT, so that it become truly dynamic, and, guys, this is where you say, beyond the verge of exploding. Beyond the verge of exploding. On three. One, two, three. Beyond the verge of exploding. Uh, it's great to have people who are enthusiastic about that because Jacob's really blown it almost every time. So um, we are in, where are we at, guys? We're in my garage. <laughs> Fort Collins, <laughs> Colorado. Thank you, Colton. We're United in Fort States Collins. Of America. Yes. Uh, FOCO. <clears throat> um, I'd like to introduce all the listeners to... Uh, Dylan and Colton, they're two dear friends living in Fort Collins, but uh, they'll be peacing out pretty soon. Um, let's see, how can I introduce them? So Colton, um, about, let's see, I met him about a year ago, and I remember one good story. Um, we were uh, we were leaving a, a friend's house, and um, one of my friends had my phone and texted uh, Colton, what happened? Okay, yeah, so essentially we just exchanged numbers, we're leaving, and uh, it was Lauren, right? Yeah, yeah a friend. Lauren, yeah, a friend, a friend grabs his phone, and um, and I had texted Kevin, and she texts back, uh, I said, hey, Kevin, and she said, oh, this isn't Kevin, this is Patrick, and uh, Miss, the Spongebob reference went right over my head, and I was like, oh, sorry, I must have got the wrong number, and then she says, oh, ha, ha, ha. maybe Kevin got the phone back and says, this is Kevin, and then I respond and say, oh, this is Patrick. <laughs> so that's my first uh, encounter with Kevin. Yeah, so so I, I, I was driving by, and I, I for whatever reason, Wi-Fi spots came up on my phone, and I saw, no, this is Patrick, as a possibility, and it just reminded me of that. Um, I think, Colton, you had another reference about... Um, Okay, yeah. So, so uh, the the time before last year that um, Kevin was in town, we had just gotten some tobacco. We were going to smoke some cigars. And uh, we were just discussing, uh, you know, trends and, I guess, thinking these days. And I maybe talking about how I went to school with a nat- you got a natural resource management um, major and bachelor of science degree. But... We came up with, well, Kevin established the penguin paradox, which essentially... We established we, the penguin we, paradox. Yeah, we, we established, I won't take all the credit myself. <laughs> we established the penguin paradox, which essentially is uh, saving animals' lives, saving penguin souls before we save human souls. And so, uh, <laughs> the paradox being, you know, let's, let's save our souls before we <laughs> try to save animals' lives. It sounded way cooler in the moment, okay? Yeah, yeah it did. Um... You uh, feel free to use that paradox all you want. Just put like yeah. sponsored by the new triangulation on there. I'm pretty sure I heard Augustine uh, talking about that in one of his books. Did um, he put? Did he put hashtag TNT? 
Yes, yes, he did. There we go. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm, I, I'm not sure how you say the penguin paradox in Latin, though. Do you? Yeah. Penguinus? No, paradoxus penguinus. Genitive. The paradox of the penguin. <laughs> I like it. That's a nice ring to it. And it's in pinguino in Spanish? Pinguino. Pinguino, yeah. I don't know what paradox is. See? See? Paradoxo. Paradoxo. <laughs> Welcome to Colorado. Uh, this is Dylan's Garage. Dylan and I, well, he'll be talking a lot, so you'll get to know him anyways. Um, he, just right before the podcast, I said, we're going to pray an Ave Maria, and, um, and he was stressing out because he wanted to make sure he knew the words right. Um, so there you go. He's a, he's, a, he's a good TNT member. He wanted to make sure he got it right. Um, but we did do it on the podcast anyways. So um, what we're going to talk about is, well, these two guys, um, they're both going to be... Um, focused missionaries this upcoming year, and um, they work with a lot of young men, um, trying to win them to Christ and to his church. Um, Colton is a recent convert, and uh, he just entered the church this past Easter. He was a Protestant. Dylan um, was a near heretic at one point, mm. but uh, glad we saved him from that. Yeah. No, we're convert. We'll just, we'll just leave it at that. We'll leave it at that, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and, um, has been a missionary for a year. He's, um, helps with, with, yeah, so I've just been involved here with the ministry at Colorado State University, um, here in Fort Collins. This was my first year in focus and going into the second year, really excited, um, to have a big role in the men's movement here at CSU. Um, yeah, and just really excited to see where the Lord takes that. And, and you also have some experience working, you know, working with um, those who help others in the spiritual life, right? You're working with an, uh, an organization. Yeah, so before, before I joined Focus, I spent a year, it was actually my senior year of college, working for the Avila Institute, which is a school of spiritual formation um, run by Dan Burke, who also runs the National Catholic Register. And yeah, I got to do a lot of marketing and just administrative stuff for them. And it really exposed me to a lot of the uh, spiritual tradition of the church, um, the you know the saints, the mystics, um, as well as just some of the great traditions the church has on prayer and spiritual theology. Um, it's really shaped a lot of what I do as a missionary here in Colorado now. Sweet. So we're going to jump right into it. I think we we all we all three have different perspectives from our background, and we could probably hopefully have a. a an effective conversation to dig deeper in some of the really pressing questions of our time, especially when it comes to the faith. Um, so what I want to open it up with is um, to you guys, how <clears throat> um, phrase this, what, how does the Catholic faith answer the needs of young people, say age 16 to 30 today? Particularly the Catholic faith, because I mean, you know, you could say, well, People are looking for new age stuff. They're looking for traditional Islamic stuff where they just want to be atheists and live like a chill life, like Colorado bro, you know, status. Yeah. What, yeah, how, how would you answer that? I guess I'm kind of interested in hearing from Colton, uh, his perspective, especially spending a good deal of his 20s away from the faith. Yeah. Um, what, just what that process, what is it about Catholicism that appealed to you, would you say? Yeah, I get, so my first thought, I think um, that focus is a, 
beautiful response um, to the need to evangelize to youth. I guess we were talking before we started, you know, what we define youth as, and Kevin said in America, we don't look at, at youth as older people, but I would consider, you know, myself in that youth in the young adults group as well. So I think focus is a beautiful response. But what appealed to me, um, I guess, you know, it, it took some time. It started going, it started for me going to candlelight masses, um, and then really just dig, digging into what is the Eucharist, um, and so on and so forth. But, uh, I guess we were talking before this about how mass isn't the key point of evangelization. Um, so, yeah, I would say it was really just, um, growing in community with that and understanding the faith and getting into it that way. So. so it sounds like what, you know, what you were looking for was something solid to believe in. I mean, you're saying like sure, the Eucharist, yeah. you actually solidly, can concretely believe something solid about this. You're looking yeah. to understand what it is. Yeah. So that you give, you get answers. Would you say that's right. one thing that you were looking for? Sure. Yeah. And then, yeah, definitely. And then another thing was, um, you know, I was just kind of looking into my faith and what I believe and, and what I reached was the Catholic church was founded by Christ and apostolic succession leads to the priests, bishops, and Pope that we have. So, um, that's really what initially got me involved and, um, led me to want to convert to the church. Yeah. So what led you to have, make that search in the first place? I mean, mm -hmm. let's see, you, you're fly fisher. Yeah, fly fishing. Colton's a fly fisher, guys. I, Colton I is like a man. Yeah. Well, according to some friends, yeah. he would say he's a, he's a man's man because he's a fly fisher. Yeah. Not, not everybody would say that. Someone would say that. Someone would say that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and I converted from spin fishing to fly fishing, but I still dabble spin fishing a little spin bit. Spin fishing, yeah. guys. Just, you know, the old casting out, whatever. I, did, I don't know. Lure. But it sounds sick. Yeah. <laughs> but it sounds <laughs> um, Yeah, so... So, circa 2016, fall semester, August, uh, I, was, I was walking on campus one day, and, um, and a missionary by the name of Calvin encounters me and says, and he saw my shirt, it was a Cabela's shirt, but the, it was a big American flag, and underneath it, you could just see Cabela's. And so, he spots Cabela's, and he says, hey, do you like to hunt or fish? And I said, yeah, I like to fish. And so, we get into the discussion about that, and... Uh, Long story short, he, he invites me to Mass at St. John the 23rd. And, uh, but jokingly, you know, he, he said, well, yeah, I'm a Catholic missionary. And, you know, of course, I'd like to invite you to Catholic Mass. And jokingly, I said, well, okay, maybe you'll get me to convert one day. And uh, honestly, <laughs> like, it, it, it was jokingly. Um, but I walked away from there just knowing that God had put him there for a reason and that God was moving me in a, in a very meaningful way. And I couldn't put my finger on it. And, of course... Now I'm a convert, and uh, and I could t I could tell you that Calvin was part of that chain and um, getting me to where I'm today. But yeah, he Calvin invited me to candlelight masses, and um, yeah, just I could see God working in in me in a number of ways through that. You know, the quietness of the candlelight mass, um, it not being a lit room. I was able to focus on the procession and not uh, other people or worry about myself, whatever, so, yeah, that was really good. <clears throat> I mean, yeah, going to, going to a beautiful liturgy and seeing silence and 
focus on something that's supposed to be out of the ordinary. Um, I think there, I, I mean, I, I would say there's a lot of people today that are desiring something deeper, something out of the ordinary, something that's mystical um, and divine, something to give reverence to. It's that's innate in human, in the human being. According to natural law, even religion is actually a natural virtue. Um, people are like, what are you talking about? But it's just natural in the human being to give due to the divinity. Now, of course, it has to be the true, one true religion for it to be, you know, um, for it to be right. But um, still, it's innate in the human being to give worship in that way. And so I think a lot of people are searching for something beyond what is ordinary. And so, I mean, you go to Colorado and it's like, well, enough needs to be said about what's happening in Colorado. Um, but enough said about that. But um, you can also look at people like in the New Age kind of stuff and they're like, um, they're like, oh, I want to get, um, I want to go and just have this like, you know, transcendent, just, I don't feel anything kind of, or I, you know, I just let everything pass through me and, you know, sort of just this, this kind of New Age mindset or vegan stuff. Like there's a lot of a lot of movements out there that people are trying to just get out of the out of the, the norm, I guess you could say. And so I think what you're sh- seeing there is this desire for something transcendent. Um, you saw that in the tradition, in, the, in the, the traditions of the church and the beauty of, in the, of the mass and the, the quiet where you could actually come into fullness of being. And you found that in the Catholic Church. Yeah, ab- yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's it's just so different than say, yeah, say you go to a non-omnational church service or anything like that, um, you know, it, it, it dates back to the first followers of Christ. You know, I, I guess I, I've been to my third Latin Mass now. Um, yeah! But, <laughs> He's basically but, fluent in Latin. Yeah, basically fluent in <laughs> Latin. Yeah, I know what gravitas means. And, yeah, he does. We talked about that. Gravity and all this stuff. He's, He's barely even Catholic. Like. Happiness in Latin, yeah. But, uh, what, what was I getting? Oh, so... Um, you know, there's something to be said about, you know, a mass that, that has been developed but maintained for, you know, 2,000 years. Um, that was really beautiful to me, too. So. Yeah, I think we'll talk about that in a bit. Don't what are your thoughts on that question? So the question being that, the, you know, what is it about, like, the church? Yeah, well, how, does it, how does the Catholic faith answer the needs of young people today? Yeah, I mean, it's, I think that's just a fascinating topic. Because, um, yeah, I think the Catholic Church offers something that's very profoundly different from what the culture is offering people. And I think Colton spoke into that a lot. But I think you just see that in the fact that you walk into a candlelight mass. Um, and candlelight mass is something we do here at uh, CSU. Um, where, like Colton said, it's dark, you know, very reverent. You know, there's like 12 altar servers. Um, you come in chanting um, to, you know, ancient hymns. It's, yeah, it's just phenomenally beautiful, but also so profoundly, starkly different from um, what you're going to experience, what you're going to see on TV, what you're experiencing in the culture. And I think that's just the beauty of the Catholic Church and what people crave. Um, it's actually in... This same garage uh, here with uh, a bunch of students uh, earlier last week and just having a conversation about the tradition of the church. And there was a student who was, who was talking about Gregorian chant and, 
you know, we were just talking about, we were actually talking about candlelight mass and just, you know, what kind of music should be there. And one student was uh, questioning like Gregorian chants. Like, you know, um, I see, like, I see the beauty, but like, you know, why can't we have like more contemporary music? And the fascinating thing is that there are three or four of us in, in that garage that started talking about why we have Gregorian chant. You know, why does the church give that pride of place uh, in the liturgy? And the As church does. Says, yeah. yeah, Sacrosanctum Concilium um, prescribes and says that hey, Gregorian can you, chant. Can you translate that real quick? <laughs> Sacri- yeah, of course. I, I would have <laughs> You just don't want to. <laughs> you don't want to embarrass us. <laughs> yeah, right. Thanks. That's exactly what it is. <laughs> yeah, so sac- <laughs> anyway, Sacrosanctum Concilium, uh, document from Vatican II, um, which prescribes. Uh, what the liturgy should look like, the Novus Ordo in particular, um, says that Gregorian chant has pride of place in the liturgy. And so we're just talking about that and some of the reasons why and what just what is it about Gregorian chant. And people were throwing different reasons out there. And it was funny because, you know, 30 minutes later into the conversation, uh, we actually switched the background music we were listening to from some weird grungy, like, metal that one of the guys liked and we were listening to, just to be polite to him. Um... But we ended up, he ended up switching it to Gregorian chant. And about five minutes into listening to the Gregorian chant, the student who was, who was questioning like, the importance of Gregorian chant goes, Huh, you know what? I think, I think I'm, I'm coming around. I think I see why <laughs> this is so important. And his reasoning is like, because this is so, like, it's just so beautiful. Like, I hear it and I think of God. And it's so profoundly different from what... Um, everything I experienced like outside of church, outside of the culture. So the Catholic church does have that tradition of, you know, both Latin as the language of the church, as well as uh, Gregorian chant, ancient hymns that are something that I think is just absolutely unique to the Catholic church that you can't find anywhere else. And it's a beauty that I think is vastly overlooked by society. Yeah. Yeah. I, I re- recently read an article on 1 Peter 5 um, by Dr. Peter Kowinski, I know I just mispronounced that, but sorry. Um, basically, what that article, this article spoke about, um, I don't know what, it's something, it spoke about praise and worship music, um, contemporary music. And in it, he says that, um, you know, not to be rude, but you could probably take some of those praise and worship 